Triangle NBA Podcast. I'm John here with Eric, and uh, the Houston Rockets have given us a reason to come out of our hibernation. <laughs> yep, yes, they have a good, fun emergency reason. Uh, little meltdown at halftime last night. Uh, I guess apparently Kevin Porter Jr. literally left the arena after throwing something. I, I don't know if it was at John Lucas, but it was certainly because of John Lucas. Uh, and, uh, man, and Porter, Porter left and Kate and, uh, Chris Wood refused to sub in, in the second half because of this whole little altercation with the coaching staff. Do you think KPJ has official officially taken the throne of, uh, greatest object thrower in the history of the NBA from J.R. Smith. It's going to be tough to top soup just on a pure like oddness of the object <laughs> thrown. Uh, I think that uh, that checks a couple of extra boxes there, but I, uh, I don't know, man. He's certainly racking up the numbers. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were going to have a dog pull the microphone off the table there. That would have been a disaster. <laughs> Maybe he's oh. the Westbrook. Ooh. He's like, he's like a, He's piling up the stats, but they're they're empty calories. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a loss. He really is the West. He really is the Westbrook. You're right. Yeah. Because yeah. like you could argue last season that he really took a dub leaving Cleveland mm-hmm. to go to Houston, but now I'm looking at it like Cleveland's a fucking contender in the Eastern Conference, and uh, and they need his skill set. Yes, exactly. <laughs> they could use a quote unquote point guard. Oh man, um, I. I just don't know what to make of all of this. I've noticed everybody in the fan base and, and probably rightfully so you're, you're probably better people for it. Uh, but defaulting to the, this is high emotions. KPJ's had a history of high emotions and he's young and needs to work on that. And these are, these things are to be expected and blah, blah, blah. But for me, I'm like the throwing the shit is one thing. The feeling like you're able to just leave mm-hmm. at halftime ever is is not okay to me like and mental health reasons notwithstanding like that's I, I just don't understand how we can say Wood's whole thing is about professionalism and work ethic and I'll, while I will say he's 27 years old I agree it is a lot more about that than mm-hmm. just raw emotions with a 21 year old but this is about ethics, work ethic and professionalism as well, you know, yeah. like, and there's no way to get, to get around that and just say, well, he fucked up and blew up, but he, he did when he had the, the initial outburst. That was the, yeah, well, he fucked up and he blew up, like driving out of the goddamn arena is like lunatic shit. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't want to fuck. I, that, that's wild to it's me. Like, childish. Yes, it is. Yeah. It's absolutely childish. Um, and that worries me a little bit. A, that there's a kind of an entitled mindset of developing with him um, as the future point guard of the franchise uh, as he's, he's thus been anointed, but hasn't really shown reason to. Um, in my opinion, a lot of people will really hard disagree with me on that. Um, but I think the last three, four or five games, he's shown promise, yeah. but promise of being good, not great. Yeah. So let's, <laughs> let's backpedal just a little bit. So this Sorry. incident yeah, started, um, when Lucas was calling out certain players for their effort at halftime. Yes. And it escalated to the point where, um, like we said, KPJ left the arena and Christian Wood refused to check in in the second half. So just kind of from a a big picture perspective, if I'm a Rockets fan, um, I've lost all patience with Christian Wood and Kevin Porter Jr. Just because you're in a rebuild and you can't really afford to have guys around 
who aren't willing to take accountability for their own effort level. Yes. I'm with that completely. Um, and, and I get people wanting to extend this longer leash to, to Porter Jr., but this is still a big deal. And, yeah. and if you want to do that, that's fine. But I think both guys need to be punished, and both guys should probably be punished at the same level. How um, many guys in the league would get cut for doing that? Yes, yeah. a, a lot. A lot of guys who probably arguably put up more positive stats for their teams than <laughs> Kevin Porter Jr. thus far this season. And again, it's not a knock. He's been hurt. But I, I just don't get the star attitude from either of these guys. Chris Wood, I can see being upset, but you got benched in the first half for they all they'll say is you broke a team rule. So mm-hmm. you were benched in the first half. Uh, all you need to say about that is I broke the team rule and I'm sorry and I'll move on. And if you have any grievances about breaking the team rule, you air them out behind closed doors and you do so like a man and a professional. So Chris Wood failed to show up for a COVID testing, right? I believe so. Or it was so late or something. The team probably could have prevented this by just suspending him for a game. Yep. And then you didn't have to worry about him. He could have taken the time to cool off. You could have reconnected with him later. But true. What's done is done. Amen. And and when he was subbed in in the first half, it was worse to me, optically speaking, than James Harden trying to force his way out of town levels of effort. Like it was just it, the defense was appalling, man. Like just standing and watching guys go to the hoop type stuff, and yeah. and uh, taking stupid shots every time he touched the basketball on offense, disrupting the whole flow. Uh, it just wasn't. Uh, wasn't the type of thing I am going to want to watch with this team for much longer. Let's just say, I think that they need to just go ahead and bite the bullet and take the best Chris Wood deal right now. Yep. Don't worry about resuscitating his value. I'm pretty sure he just played his, his last game as, as a Houston rocket. If, if I'm running the team. Yeah. Um, and I always think about situations like this from the perspective of if pop was running the show, what would happen? Yeah. Both of those guys would be gone right now. Yeah. And uh, I would not argue against it being fair that that's the case um but again and i've tweeted this earlier too like a lot of this for me i want a little bit more clarity on what actually lucas was saying because i i the man is a fiery dude and he's an old school dude and i would imagine has a propensity for uh crossing the line a little bit trying to motivate with good intentions but he Mm. might he might have actually said some shit that's fucked up and awful, you know? Like, we might legit, uh, if we were in the room, I don't know. I don't know this, and I'm not going to try to put this out there as speculation. I really doubt it. He's been in the league a very long time and has a sterling reputation yeah. uh, for being a hard ass who loves you. And that that's really what it is, I feel like, with this this relationship with these guys is that he knows that that he needs to demand better of them or they're going to slip away. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, and that's, uh, that's what coach Silas said after the game. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to put any kind of blame Lucas's way. I don't know what was said just to clarify that though, but man, it just looks, it looks bad for these guys to pout like this to me. And KPJ has already apologized, I guess, to the team. That's all well and good. I mean, there's only so many times that you can do it and apologize before it needs to become a, well, what are you doing about it next to prevent next time? Um, and I feel like the Rockets have done their part to support KPJ. I think so, big time. They had and a full understanding of 
his personality coming in, they probably had a like a really thick fucking dossier, like yes, Dennis Reynolds style. <laughs> Some of these pages are yeah. in crayon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying we should necessarily uh, cut the cord on the KPJ experiment. His production has not been commiserate with someone who deserves that much leash, but you know. It looks better on the Rockets to to try a little bit longer with him. I think so too. Um, and I I don't think it's, I think age plays a little bit of a part in my decision to be like, well, this kid should be punished and move on from this. I think earning his spot more so into the rotation would be kind of cool to see. Um, yep. Honestly, like make him work his way back into trust everybody's trust. Like put him um, in the doghouse and make him earn it. Exactly, yeah. and then see how he responds to that because I think that how he would respond to some treatment like that could really illuminate our prospects moving forward for how he's going to grow and learn from this. Then you um, know who he really is. Yeah. Yes. Um, so so I, I, I have a question. Do you at all worry, because again, we're at the very beginning of this rebuild, having things like this happen... Uh, might be indicative of some cracks in a very young foundation that the rebuild might already be kind of going astray. I do low-key have that concern, yes. Um, I don't think it's anything that can't be pivoted from because I think a lot of, particularly the four pieces brought in with yeah. with, uh, with Braffstone's first draft, all of them seem to be winners in all categories to me, um, personality and, and team first mentality and everything. So I... I don't think it's anything that can't be pivoted away from. And I think a lot of it might be yeah. kind of old, old growth from, from last season um, yeah. stuff that like wood and uh, EG's not really, well, I don't, I don't ever want to put any of this blame on Eric Gordon. Honestly, he's been a pro and he's playing hard and he he's just needs to be games. a better team. Yeah, yeah, he has. And he just needs to be on a better team. It's a shame for him that he's here, but I think that the wood holdover resentment for the Harden thing is really starting to come to a head. He's had enough of that, yeah. of this, this yeah. type of basketball. Thank you very much. And he was kind of hoping that, I don't know. I think in a weird way, maybe he was hoping that he could have had this team turn the corner by more so by now. And it hasn't. And he's frustrated all around, I'm guessing, and kind of just lashing out about it. Um, but it's, uh, I'm not worried that the rebuild has gone astray just because Christopher Garuba, Shengun Green are all awesome, right. and they're all great building blocks. And Tate is here to stay, and he's a fantastic teammate and great building block moving forward. Yeah, um, I, I think if I'm Rafstone running this team, I'm probably gearing towards cleansing any negative energy from this team. Anyone who has uh, presented problems like this, who isn't completely on board with the rebuild. Yes. You probably have to excise them before it gets too bad because this yes. is going to be a long process. It is. And it's going to be a process that can create factions in, in the locker mm -hmm. room uh, based on friendships and this, that, and the other. And and I'm, I'm with you, man. You got to kind of pull the plug on any kind of nastiness really quickly. It's like yep. catching a tumor early, you know? Yes, it really is. Yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, you can exist with benign tumors. That is a, a grumbly vet who's on a team that kind of sucks right now yeah. and needs to be somewhere better like Eric Gordon. But you can't handle the malignant ones like Chris Wood. That's I'm the superstar. And why the fuck are you treating me like I'm a regular player? And, you know, I, like I know, Chris like, Wood, if you're a superstar, how about you get into a defensive stance every now and then? Thank 
Please, please, yes. His posture watching him play sometimes is so infuriating. He's one of those guys. He has all of the ability in the world. Yes. He could be one of the four best centers in the NBA. He could. And sometimes he is. So, yeah, he really is. Against bad teams, yeah. he really is. <laughs> but it's he just doesn't bring it all the time. No, he doesn't. And I've never seen anybody play defense entirely on their heels before. It's yeah. really impressive. Like I, I would get uncomfortable walking around on my <laughs> heels constantly for an afternoon, but the man just seems to default to that as his posture. Do you think this is what Detroit saw in him and why they didn't bring him back? Good question. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, because they brought in Jeremy Grant, who's in a similar situation now talent-wise on yeah. a bad team, but... He's a better dude. Hasn't made a peep about it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, you know what I mean? And hasn't had a, a game where he complains about his touches and involvement in the offense and then a game following where he refuses to shoot just to show them. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just it, that type of shit is childish. And uh, it seems like Chris learned a lot from James Harden the one little half season he was with him oh. and, and the bad habits and how to be a superstar and get what you want. And uh, I don't know that. I think that the ship has sailed, and I don't know that he's going to reach some next level talent-wise that warrants keeping him around anymore. I, I think Chris would get him to a contender as well, and you know what? We might we might eat a big shit sandwich because he looks phenomenal and ends up yeah. as the key linchpin to a title team or something. But the thing but, that the thing that worries me about that is like, what GM is going to look at the issues that he brings to the table despite all of his talent and say, okay, yeah, we'll give up some key pieces for that guy. You're right. There's only one G. Only one GM in the NBA who does not care about personality issues. Yes, there is. And he used to work right here in yeah. Houston. Yep. Yeah. He drove his ass over to Philadelphia to spend more time with his family. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And I don't know what he gives up for. He could. He, he might give something up for Chris Wood. Honestly, Maybe there's but a Ben be a Simmons thing there. Players, but not, I don't know about a Ben Simmons thing, but. Fuck, I hope not. Wouldn't he that be this out of the fire and or out of the kettle and into the fire type situation there? I like, think Maury could spin that as we got our top 30 player and yeah. maybe KPJ is a throw in. Fuck, that would it, Rockets fans would be so sad. Oh man. Yeah. The way that everyone has endeared themselves to KPJ is fascinating to me because I just don't I don't have it, if I'm being honest. Like and I'm just like I don't see any data besides a 50-point game, and that he says really cool things about Houston to warrant this level of attachment and this level of, no, he'll be okay, it's KBJ, he's our guy, he's going to bounce back. I just don't fucking get it. I want to see some like evidence as to why it happens, and I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on anybody or their opinion about KBJ. I just, why? That's all. Please tell me why and change my mind because I'm open to the experience. Yeah, and... <laughs> You know, we were talking about this before we started recording. I think there are better players on this roster to give that commitment and energy to. I think so, too. Yeah. And uh, I think one of them was putting up shots after a fucking fiasco last night uh, with all the lights out. You know, like, and, and Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba came in in absolute utter garbage time. Uh, after that had happened at halftime, this is how I get minutes. Are you fucking kidding me? And he came in and played his ass off and defended hard and passed the ball. And just, uh, yeah, both of these guys, KPJ and Wood, need to know that there are dudes on this team that can do what you're doing and will do it 
if you no. don't want to with a positive attitude. By the end of the year, I want to see a starting lineup of Christopher, Green, Tate, Garuba, and Shingoon. That would be so sick, dude. Oh, man, that would be fun to watch. Yep. Defensively, it'd be a, such a nightmare, I feel like. Tate and, and uh, Garuba would have a lot of work to do. Yeah. Christopher is solid on the perimeter, too, honestly. He's been better than advertised on that end. Of the, or not better than advertised. They told us he was going to become Drew Holiday. That'll eventually <laughs> happen, I suppose. But He's a rookie guard. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but, man, yeah, we, we beat this to death, and I'm zigzagging all over the place, real ADHD with my analysis. But I just I felt I felt a lot over the last night, and I've thought a lot about this and kpj particularly like wood there's not much to think about frankly like yeah. this shit went down and it's the third third or fourth time that he's done some dumb shit attitude shit like this so it's it's over man sorry you're an extremely talented basketball player and we appreciate you coming here and soldiering when we sucked at our worst but fuck man this is bad and it looks bad and our coach and, and our young guys deserve the better and there are still silver linings i mean this whole fiasco is probably going to result in more opportunities for the guys who are actually the future. Exactly. We can, yeah. And uh, I, we were thinking having a fun little like New Year's resolution tag for all the Texas teams as we went along. And because uh, we're cute and timely like that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sorry, I haven't been goofy this whole episode. I'm sorry, guys. I had to. But yeah, I think that should be the Rockets is yeah, pivot, pivot towards the real future. And if some of these guys aren't going to be on board with that or they think they are and they are, are a, a piece of the puzzle, not the main. I don't know. I just feel like KPJ and Wood both might think they're a bigger part of this than they might end up actually being. As far as a Rockets rebuild. And Rockets and, fans have really contributed to the uh, ego, you like to use the term golem. Yes. Uh, that you have right now. Um, so I think so. I really do. But I think that pivoting towards Christopher, pivoting towards Shingun and Jalen Green, who, by the way, is shooting over 50% from three-point land. 50% from three over his last like four games since he came back. Um, he had 25 on like 13 shots last night or something crazy. Um, 14 free throw attempts, like James Harden style. Yeah, except uh, his are. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. He's not like <laughs> wrestling someone. He's not putting someone in an arm bar on his way to the rim. Like his fouls are just no one can keep up with him exactly. and no one can get to his level athletically. So we have to, you know, yep. we've got to tag him on his way to the rim. And another thing to kind of not, not shit on james or anything but when james harden shot a crazy ass shot it was like oh fuck there's no way that's going in and then they go in and mm -hmm. you're like oh man he's incredible but when jalen green shoots every time i think it's in off his fingertips it's yeah. crazy and i'm surprised when it misses so it's gonna be wild to watch jalen green develop as the primary option for this team because he's discovering that he's faster than everybody else and they're helping him and he's putting in the work to become an elite shooter too and yep. it's just it's and eric gordon is all about uh, the rockets are all about shooting from three steps beyond beyond as well so if he can add all that like become like a four-tier scorer because you had that uh, steph curry half court range 
uh, I, I just I would love I, I'm very excited about Jalen Green and any of these any, anybody wants to come at me with this Darko Milicic bullshit that I saw floating around a week ago or whatever like what? they were likening this draft to that draft and it was like see look you've got Melo and LeBron and uh, you know like generational talents with Kate and Mobley and all these and Scotty and all these other guys and then they were like and look you've got Darko and Jalen like and I was like no no like no this kid is so goddamn good and he's going to be shredding your favorite basketball team by this time next season. And it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun for us to watch. I think I didn't realize my last little thing. I'll gush about Jalen here, but the Miami game, they were beating him with steel chairs on the way to the rim. (laughs) And he was not getting a single call whatsoever. And uh, he comes back the next night and he's getting the opposing commentators are bitching that this kid's getting way too many easy whistles. What the hell? Da, 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 da. And like, I just feel like a large part of that is not that the refs went back and watched the tape and said, you know what? We should give Jalen some calls tonight. It's that he learned. This is how you make them see it. This is how you actually get that contact so that the ref blows the whistle and responds. And I just think his, the way he does something the next game after needing to work on it, is really impressive to me. I, I'm starting to see that mentality, Mamba mentality stuff they were talking about with him. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm excited. I'm excited about that. There's silver linings, even though it looks like our team is back to being a laughing stock dumpster fire. Let them laugh. They don't have Jalen Green or Shingoon. So, <laughs> yeah. But pivot towards the future, Rockets. That's my New Year's resolution. The real future. So, yeah. well, let's 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 shut me up for a second, shall we? <laughs> Or move to the Spurs. Actually, I think I'll let you carry the Spurs segment oh, too as well. All right. No. A lot of inappropriate comments about Becky Hammond <laughs> coming. Please no. And her heel selection. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So I guess that's the first uh, piece of news that we need to go into with the Spurs. Is Becky Hammond has taken a record-breaking five-year deal to become the next head coach of the Las Vegas Aces, formerly the San Antonio Stars. Also cool. Um, I didn't realize that, actually. Yeah, San Antonio just couldn't support a WNBA team. But for some reason, people think that they can support an NFL team. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so I guess... Well, guys go to those games. <laughs> yeah. oh well, dudes God. go to NFL games, man. <laughs> yeah. So fucked. We need to be better about the WNBA. We really do. So I guess, first of all, congratulations to Becky Hammond. Amen to that. A well-deserved, awesome person. She has uh, very clearly contributed to the Spurs organization based on everything everyone has to say about her. Big time. The coyote's back if you can't hear the dog in the <laughs> yeah. back that always barks at our Spurs segment is back. I think Lonnie Walker, um, when he when he found out that Becky Hammond would be staying with the team through the end of the season, made the comment that he would have been heartbroken if Becky Hammond was going to leave before the end of the season. So I think that really speaks highly to the impact that she's had on the players. Definitely, because Lonnie's one of the internal leaders, I would say, of this group. Yeah, yeah. So, like I said, first and foremost, congratulations to Becky Hammond. Well-deserved. Yep. I hope you end up back in the NBA someday, but if not, you landed an awesome gig, yep. and you're now the highest-paid coach in the history of the WNBA. She's the GM, too, right? And the GM. She's yeah. kind of taking the pop role. That's so sick. Yeah. So speaking of Pop, I think the next question here is what does this indicate about Greg Popovich's future in San Antonio? Uh, that is a good question indeed. I, I, as an outsider, see the writing on the wall that it looks like he wants to keep going yeah. to me, but I don't know. We've heard rumblings from a few sources that 
you know, I don't necessarily trust, so I'm not going to name drop them on the pod, but <laughs> that, that pop might want to stick around for another year, two, three years. And um, maybe Becky looked at, you know, her job prospects in the NBA and said, okay, well, I don't really want to stay on the bench, you know, much longer. I'm ready to be a head coach. And I don't really want to fuck with any of these teams that yeah. are about to have openings. <laughs> Especially these teams like Portland who've thrown her under the bus for no fucking reason. Yeah. And there, are, there are plenty of teams who just aren't ready to hire a woman. As crazy as that is to say in the year 2021. Especially about a franchise like Portland who's yeah. always in on the, the pissing contest to look the most woke in the NBA. Yeah. 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 So I guess I wonder if it's a good thing that we're going to get two or three more years of pop. And, you know, it's not set in stone that that's going to happen, but it kind of looks that way. It does. And then it also raises questions about who his predecessor will be then. So what, what, what is your impression of, you know, a couple more years of Popovich in San Antonio and then beyond that? I think it's a really interesting question because we were talking about this before the pod out. Both of us were going into the season like, all right, the Spurs are finally doing it. They're finally going to let the young guys play. It's going to be a bad game, bad season, but a high lotto pick, this and the other. And now Pop has them like two games out of the play-in, right? But also like, one game from the bottom of the standings. But also one game. Yeah, there's a, there's a weird clusterfuck yeah. at the eight, the, the 10 seed and the, the bottom of the league right now. But it's... Uh, it will certainly delay a full-on rebuild just because he gets teams to overachieve, yep. I feel like. Um, but if you have the talent on hand, that can't doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. He could eventually... I mean, uh, Brian Wright has shown himself to be very, very savvy GM his yep. last couple seasons as well. I trust Brian Wright. I think him taking over that position from R.C. Buford was a big move in the right direction. And that's not to say that R.C. Buford didn't make great contributions in the past, but yes. it was time for the, the the team to move into the future a little bit more, and I think he was the right guy for the job. Um, I think in terms of a, of a tactical coach, Greg Popovich was never a great X's and O's guy. That was never his, his forte. Uh, he was more of like a manager of human beings. Mm -hmm. that, that's always been his strength. And a teacher yeah. of human beings. Yeah. So, so I think, um, and we touched on this a couple weeks ago on the pod, if they can get the right people on the bench with him to uh, you know, help with the game-to-game -game of it all, having Popovich around isn't necessarily a bad thing. No. And it seems that you know, lately Pop has been more willing to um, experiment, try different lineups and stuff like that. So, yeah, I... I don't know where Pop ranks in the hierarchy of NBA coaches right now. Obviously, he's the he's the greatest of all time, but yes. in terms of the people who are actively coaching, I don't know where I put Pop. <sighs> That's such a tough question, man. I don't know either. Because there's some questionable stuff for sure. But this isn't like a kajillion dollar roster. You know what I yeah. mean? Like you can't. You can't say anybody else would be doing a better job with this team. I don't think. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there have been some issues with, you know, the, the team started off the season really reluctant to fire away from three. They were at the bottom of the league in three-point attempts. They're still not far from the bottom of the league, I believe, mm -hmm. even with the uptick in efficiency. So there are some things where Pop probably needs to continue to embrace the modern game. And I know a lot of it is personnel. Uh 
But some guys have really taken a leap forward over the last month, like Kelton Johnson is, I believe, still second in the NBA in three-point shooting, which is insane. He looks so good from three. I wonder if being a uh, stuck-in-the-corner piece on the uh, USA team practice drills might have helped with that. I don't know. Or was he even? I don't know. Like I feel yeah. like he was – I don't know. He, being such an ancillary guy on the totem pole maybe would have – what else do I do but shoot, catch and shoot? But, yeah, he looks phenomenal from three. Yeah. The other parts of his game, not so much, but the three-point shooting, <laughs> excellent. Uh, so I guess just wrapping up the, the pop point, you know, it's um, – I'm okay with him sticking around simply because I'm not ready to say goodbye to Popovich as the guy on the bench for the Spurs. Yep. Um, I'm just not mentally prepared for that. Like, I still haven't let go of Tim Duncan retiring. I don't know how I'm going to deal with Popovich retiring. Yeah, I understand completely, man. And I, I don't – with a not or with no clear successor in sight now, there's really yeah, there's no reason not to be like fuck it, let's ride it out until Pop wants to go. And maybe Becky going into the WNBA, getting actual head coaching experience, opens the door for her to take that spot in a couple of years. Maybe, maybe the Spurs buy out her contract and say, hey, yeah. uh, come do what we originally wanted you to do. Yeah, maybe it's a possibility. It really is. Anything is a real possibility in this this wild, wild west of a league we have right now. Absolutely. So what else has been happening with the Spurs? Let's see. uh, DeJounte Murray entered uh, health and safety protocols. He has missed um, three, four games now. It has been at best a mixed bag without DeJounte Murray. (laughs) Best Uh, player gone, team bad? What? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so last night, the Spurs dropped an overtime game to the Detroit Pistons, who I believe have 11 players out. They are decimated by COVID right now, they, and they weren't good to begin with. They weren't good to begin with, and this Pistons team probably wouldn't be good in the G League. No. Um, but I don't think that loss is on the fact that DeJounte Murray wasn't with the team. Obviously, DJ would have made a difference in a couple of these games that they lost, but... This team has a bad habit of not showing up for games when they feel like the other team has inferior talent mm. or they feel like they should win the game. Yep. It's happened a few times. They've lost to Oklahoma City, really bad loss to Sacramento, uh, now this. So I wonder how you explain that phenomena. Because this team gets up to play contenders. They get up for the, you know, the Jazz, the Nuggets. Oh, yeah. They look highly competent in those games, but when it comes to these, uh, not so much. So I wonder, is that a maturity thing? Is it a lack of leadership on the floor? Good question. Yeah, a lack of vet vets being there to emphasis to be like, yo, every game's a dogfight kind yeah. of thing. I don't know. I, I just feel like I, there's a certain mentality that's so easy to slip into or it's like well they're worse than us so we can click simulate for this game it doesn't <laughs> their talent isn't as good as ours our, our overall rating is way higher than theirs so we can click sim we'll probably win it's funny because for 20 years during the duncan era the spurs racked up 51 season after 51 season because they always cleaned up against the bad teams yep it was a shoe in the if they were favored in the game they were probably gonna win it yep unless something crazy happened the betters favorites for sure yeah yeah but so, that's no longer the case. And um, I, when I watch these games, what I notice is there's no one setting the tone from an intensity standpoint. Hmm. Even when DeJounte Murray plays, 
There's not someone out there who's saying, we're going to go step on these guys' throats. This yeah. is our game, but we have to take it. They think it's going to come to them. No, yeah, that makes sense. There's no PJ, Draymond. Yeah. The, yeah, that guy that's like, no, fuck that. Let's go finish him off kind of attitude. So I guess it's a, it's a lack of experience thing. But then again, you know, DeJounte Murray's in year six. Derek White's in year five. Yep. Golden Johnson played with Team USA. And then, you know, you have Thad Young on the bench, but I wouldn't blame Thad Young for not wanting to contribute anything to this team no. psychologically. So, And that's not even stopping. He kind of still does. Yeah, yeah he still does. He's, yeah, he's been a pro, consummate we'll, pro. We'll get to Thad soon enough. But yep, definitely. It's just a big mystery with this team. I still don't know what to make of this team. Sometimes they look like a playoff team. I mean, for, yep. for most of the month of December, they were trending towards being a 500 team. Yep. DeJounte went out. They've lost three in a row. And it hasn't looked so good. Uh, so I just, I really don't know. I, I was hoping this team would come in and, you know, win the bare minimum number of games and get a high draft pick. And they're not that far from the bottom, like we said yeah. earlier. They're only, uh, I think, two games ahead of the Rockets. Yep. Which is insane. Yes. Because it feels like they're in totally different leagues. It really does. Uh, but that seven-game win streak has literally been the like life force for the Rockets' record this year. It's pretty funny like, yep. to think about how bad they would be without that streak happening. Hilarious. So, if you're running this team, what is your plan for the, the end of the season? Are you are you running for the play-in? Are you pumping the brakes? Maybe taking a strategic retreat to uh, bolster the lottery odds? That's <sighs> such a because we know Bizarre what Pop's going to do. He's going to run for the play in. Exactly. Pop's going to want to win yeah. and and do everything he can to make that happen no matter what. You you may as well I guess maximize out the roster then. And but then I feel like you get stuck in DeRozan land and it, I don't know. I don't know, man. The right move, quote unquote, from like a cold analytics point of view is would be trade DJ, take a step back, strategic retreat, 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 <laughs> and uh, just milk that strategic retreat and yeah. get a uh, get a high draft pick. But, I don't think you necessarily have to trade DJ either. I think you could probably uh, sell Jakob, uh, Eric. Maybe even Keldon. Just trash the defense real quick. Yeah, just <laughs> just trash the team real quick. And then, you know, there are some pretty interesting center prospects at the top five of this draft. There really are. Point uh, guards, too. KPJ. Yeah. Just saying. I still think there's a light at the end of the tunnel for this team, but it's kind of hard to see where they get off the mediocrity treadmill anytime yes. soon. That's where I'm at. And that, that'll require drastic action that, frankly, wouldn't be very nice to do to Pop in the twilight of his career. Yeah, but, so. I mean, it'd be kind of a poetic for Pop to go out the way he came in. Also true. Engineering we, we, one of the greatest tanks of all time. See, yeah, we were, uh, we've, we've talked about that scenario a couple of times and how fun it would be, how Popovichian it would be to forego a uh, kind of win, a wins record or any kind of uh, last going out on top kind of uh, bragging rights just to set the team up for the right way. I'm still really high on Devin Vassell and Joshua Primo. Me too. As prospects, I think Devin Vassell should be starting yesterday. Especially given the inconsistencies of Derek White this season. He's had games where he looks like a top 30 player. And then he has games last night where he's just not totally not engaged. And yeah. it makes no sense. It's not that he's not trying defensively. It's not like a Christian Wood situation. It's just like he's not there mentally. He's yeah, he's thinking about something else. Turning the ball over, getting the ball taken away from behind, you know, just throwing the ball out of bounds on drives. 
throwing the ball at Jakob's knees on pick and rolls. It's just yeah. stuff that shouldn't happen. Yeah. Yeah. Russ. Russ stuff. I'm it's not kidding. even Russ stuff. Like, when when that happens to Russ, it's just Russ being reckless, chasing yeah. stats. Yeah. Trying to make the, the, the sparkly play. With Derek, it's just, man, why? what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? You're capable of more. That's so bizarre, man. I always find that so fascinating. How it's just like it seems like guys aren't even there some nights, and then it's like other nights. It's like, oh, cool, you're you're trying tonight. That's yeah. fun. Uh, yeah. It's just so weird. But I don't know. Consistency is a hard thing to maintain in any walk of life, I suppose. But what um, should we pour some water on the hashtag Dejounte Murray hashtag NBA All Star Fire? Is that too rude of us? Or I don't think it's rude, but I think it's time that we set reasonable expectations for whether or not DeJounte Murray is going to be an all-star. Yes. Not deserves to be, yeah. but going to be. He's had a fantastic season. He should probably be at the top of the rankings for most improved player, but easily realistically looking at the West, he's going to have to beat out some deserving guys to get an all-star spot. Exactly. And uh, guys that get more exposure and are going to help have a lot more help with the fan vote. Because aspect of things. If you if you look at the voting options for the guard spots in the West, you have I don't know probably four locks. I would say you have Steph Curry, Lock. Luka Doncic, Lock, John Morant, Lock, Chris Paul, Lock, always Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell. So Pretty that's five lock. locks. Yep. So there's one spot left. Is it going to be Devin Booker, Dejounte yep. Murray? Yep. I, I just I, it doesn't look too bright now there he could be an injury replacement something like that but first fans are going to be upset come february i think so too and that's a bummer because it's not like i said it's not that he doesn't deserve it it's just that there's a lot of guard talent right now in the west and in the east too honestly there's just a dearth of crazy good guards right now and uh it's it's you know it's a bummer because Dejounte is is an all-star for sure i think he's playing like it and i think uh how the team has kind of looked since he's taken a seat has has really contributed to the, <laughs> the optics of that. Uh, how important he is to to the winning <laughs> culture of the Spurs this year too. So, but again, no one's watching but, San Antonio. No one's watched nobody. San Antonio in three years. Based on the conversations we're having about Demar Derozan, yes, it's very clear that no one has watched San Antonio in three years. Exactly. Have you noticed how <laughs> all these people that don't watch San Antonio? and haven't watched San Antonio are still bothering to go find people on Twitter to try to dunk on about DeMar DeRozan though. <laughs> like, it's just like, what the fuck? Like follow, just scroll up their timeline. And they're probably saying something really nice about DeMar DeRozan and how well he played for the Spurs. You know what I mean? It's just not, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's to, to build that kind of like narrative is, is nuts. Like, there's this revisionism happening about DeMar DeRozan's tenure in San Antonio. That is so infuriating. Yes. Because DeMar DeRozan in San Antonio was every bit as good of an isolation player as he is right now in Chicago. Yep. He was hitting game winners in San Antonio. Yep. There's a whole highlight reel of them. Yep. He became a better distributor. Uh, his defense is never going to be good, but he became a more competent defensive player. Yep. I just, the idea that he got to Chicago and suddenly became this different player it's just bullshit. I'm sorry. It's hilarious. Like, okay, you put Zach Levine on the fucking Spurs rosters that uh, DeMar DeRozan had, yeah. too, and he'd probably look like a totally different player there, too. DeMar was fucking... playing with no spacing. Yep. With, I mean, generally bad talent for the most part. I, I, I know some of these young guys are on the come up now, but when DeMar was there, they were not. They weren't, no. They, they probably, you know, 
should have been playing as much as they were in hindsight. So, and and there the idea was pair him with Lamarcus, yeah. who, who we can recapture Lamarcus's star, at, you know, like he used to be. But then that went horribly sideways with him. So mm-hmm. you can, yeah, blaming any of the the team's lack of success on Demar Derozan is pretty ignorant, in my opinion. Yeah. And I still think, at the end of the day, Demar Derozan's season is going to end the way it always does. <laughs> LeBron James taking him out in the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember who it was on Spurs Twitter, but they were talking about how the Spurs should have done everything they could to uh, retain DeMar DeRozan. And I'm just, I'm, I'm curious because did you not watch what had happened for the last three years? The team was mediocre with DeMar doing exactly what he's doing right now in Chicago. Yes. He was, if anything, he was more, he was more responsible for distribution in San Antonio in in Chicago. He doesn't have to worry about that at all, which I think suits him a little bit, Yeah, but it's the same guy. I mean, if you put DeMar DeRozan on the Spurs team right now, they probably win two or three of these close games. Mm -hmm. They probably lose a couple of games because of his defense and he gets shut down by the wrong guy. He has a bad game. So, you know, I just don't think DeMar DeRozan was the right piece for this team exactly and he is the right piece for this bulls team clearly you know and that's he's, fine he's, he's mr right now yes for the bulls <laughs> i still, still i still think come, come playoff time we're gonna be you know discussing this a little differently he could prove me wrong he's proven me wrong so far but i don't think his tendency to shut down in the playoffs will hopefully matter as much given the talent that's around him now i feel like uh, Ball and Levine and and weirdly Vooch. Honestly, I was watching some Bulls the other night just because my roomie's a fan, and you know I put the Bulls on out of curiosity just because they're doing so well. They're the media darlings right now. Um, but I was just I was kind of blown away that, and it's maybe this is what Don Donovan just might have a gift for this, but mm-hmm. Vooch looks pretty okay on the defensive end for that team, and and that's ne- he's been a fucking joke turnstile on defense for me my like his whole career like oh well at least he's better than Vooch on defense you know like I just feel like that's all he's kind of been a joke about him but I think Caruso and Ball deserve a lot of God, credit Caruso for, I totally forgot for to protecting mention protecting Vooch yeah and the other thing we forget about DeMar DeRozan's career is that while he was having meltdowns in the playoffs so was Kyle Lowry yes exactly yeah. and that Kawhi Leonard just had the strength to tug of war Kyle Lowry along with him. It yep. was really impressive. <laughs> but it, that, you're right, because yeah, a lot of it was a two. It was a two pronged meltdown, which are really hard to recover from in the playoffs. You can usually recover from one of your superstars having a shit game, but yeah, oof. But back to the point. Um, I still think the Spurs were right to let Demar Derozan walk. Okay. Maybe he would have walked regardless of what the Spurs wanted, but. It was the best thing for the Spurs. Definitely. Uh, And it still is. So I guess to wrap up our Spurs segment, my New Year's resolution for the Spurs is going to be to find Thaddeus Young a new home. (laughs) That is a good one. That's a good-hearted New Year's resolution because, man, that poor guy doesn't deserve this. He doesn't. And, you know, he a lot of games he has had to sit on the bench and watch Drew Eubanks or Jock Landale play in front of him, and neither of those guys are as good as he is. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I, I know Spurs Twitter is just infatuated with Jock Landale right now, but... And again, we're not saying he's <clears throat> not going to be good. This is a right now thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, right now, Pop is having to pull him out of the game because he's so bad defensively. Yes. If he's not knocking down threes, he doesn't have a lot of utility in the team. Amen. 
Um, there are entirely too many guys in the NBA like that right now, right? Yeah. And it's just like, man, man do something else, man. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but Maury couldn't find any shooters for the Harden era. I'm wrong. <laughs> I digress. Sorry. Yeah. But anyways, Thad Young has been a professional for this team. Uh, when he has had his number called, he's come in and busted his ass and done everything he can. So works off the clock. Yeah, yeah. Constantly seeing videos and pictures of him being the last one in the gym, even though he's never playing. Yeah. So yeah, either find Thad a good home with a contender or play him. Well put, sir. All right, and I guess that's going to wrap up the, the Spurs segment. You want to head up yeah. to uh, Southern Oklahoma? Yeah, let's do it. I feel like the nutsack of Oklahoma. I feel like we're um, going to uh... – <laughs> sorry, Dallas. That one was just mean. But, no, I feel like we're going to have a pretty good Mavs segment today, actually. I don't know. I think we got some nice things to talk about. Not usual beat the dead horse stuff, I feel like, but it will probably devolve to that eventually. Mm-hmm. But uh, big new biggest news is that Luke is coming back. He cleared protocols, or he's cleared protocols, but he's working his way back into game shape. I don't know. Either yeah. way, he's not playing tonight. Yeah. So the Mavs have been without Luka Doncic for a pretty decent stretch now. And 11, 12 games now, yeah. I think, right? This team is a game below 500. Um, they could continue to fall. So I guess the questions here are, uh, does Luka jolt this team back thoroughly into the playoff picture and is that a good thing i think luca definitely is going to jolt the team back to a couple wins here and there but i don't know if this is way off base or weird but i get every time i watch luca all i see is james harden and he's in that like infant james harden as a star stage right now for me where there are lineups that are statistically better without him for this team still Mm -hmm. because of his defense um, and because of his propensity for just jacking up shots. And I feel like the team being at 500 with him, the team being at 500 without him, I don't know that Luca necessarily, I think he's going to make the team look a hell of a lot better and he's going to be phenomenal, but I don't know that the team as constructed is going to win a whole lot more games when he comes back. It's that. And also to this point, Luca, Hasn't quite looked like the same guy. Also true. If, at, at do best you think it's an engagement thing or it's an in-shape thing? I, it's looked like an, an engagement thing to me, weirdly. Engagement, conditioning. I don't know what it is exactly. I mean, we, we, we've we already discussed that, the way that he came into the, <laughs> the season at 270 pounds, right? <laughs> yep. So that's a big part of it. Yep. And that's probably contributed a lot to his injury situation thus far. Also true, soft tissue, I yeah. believe, hamstring. Um, and we saw that with James Harden last year. But And it took it, him almost a year to get back to it. Yes, he's just now getting back to himself. I and there say. are still moments where it, it looks bad. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But Luca, on the other hand, too, coming back into shape and then getting COVID that sucks. Like even vaccinated and boosted, like that's still a, like a, a, a wreak some havoc on your lungs and your wind. So, well, I guess that the jury's still out there on, on Omicron's long-term effects there, but I can't imagine they're great. You know, I, I imagine it's going to be recovering from some, some lack of wind for a while as well. Um, so I don't know that it necessarily jolts the team back into like contention, but a larger point we could discuss with the Mavs is that the Western Conference is, like we said, pretty shit and bunched up at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be able to take a 500 record to probably a not even need to play in seed or like a seven seed where they're the top team in the playoff or play in. Yep. And and I don't know that long term it's good for the franchise for them 
to be able to say, quote unquote, we made the playoffs this year when it is it, the truth is they were a 500 team. I guess it depends on their organizational goals. So knowing Cuban, he says, we've got Luka Doncic. We're trying to win a championship yes. right now because that's always been his MO. Yep. And rightfully so. If you have a top five player, you try to win a championship. Um, but, but the top five player coming into camp out of shape and getting hurt can definitely throw a wrench into those plans. What gives me if gives me pause is that they could have this fluke season where they even make it into the second round and they say, okay, we don't need to make any drastic moves. Yes. We're going to come back. We're going to have a healthy Luka. We're going to have a higher seat and we're going to go further into the playoffs next time. And I think that's a good recipe for ending up where the Hawks are right now, where they kind of had this fluke run to the Eastern Conference Finals, and now they've you know, kind of fallen on their asses this season. A little bit? Yeah. So. I com- yeah. Yeah, I'm completely on, on board with that theory. Um, I think that the, the way the standings are now and the way that they're going to kind of be able to sneak in to maybe even, like you said, a second-round mm-hmm. series – and though, as it stands right now, they're lined up to play the dubs, which would just be a massacre. Um, and that might be for the best if they, you know, yes. get in the playoffs and just get destroyed by the Suns or the Warriors in the first round. Then they have to go look in the mirror and say, okay, it's time for some structural changes. Maybe Here's, Jason Kidd wasn't the right guy. Yes, I was going to say, like, this is a, uh, that'd be a good opportunity for them to see where they actually stack up yeah. uh, against the real contenders. Um, and I think that that would honestly be best for this team to discover how far away they actually are, as opposed to think they're making incremental growth and kind of get a fool's gold out of, out of getting into the second round and, and maybe competing there. Because I, I do think that they are not above wholesale changes at all. Um, even with Kid, who's just starting, I, I don't see a whole lot of potential there. And I don't think that posting up Kristaps Porzingis in, in 2021 and 2022 is, is ever going to be a, a, a modern answer to any problems. So, And a lot of what Kid has done with Porzingis has worked out fine. He's definitely rehabbed some of Porzingis's value, but... That shit's not going to work in the playoffs. No, and it doesn't statistically work now. It just get, yeah. it makes KP's box score look a little nicer, I guess, at the end of the game, but yeah. uh, but not really because he's shooting like twenty eight percent or something from these these post up opportunities. So it's just I don't know, man. I don't like the vibes from the Mavs. I don't like there's just there seems like there's just weird shit under the surface that we're not necessarily privy to. Isn't that always the thing with the Mavs, though? There's always something weird going on in Dallas. You're right. They've got such a fucky organization. They do. It's fucking weird. And and I think that Luca. I mean, there's this is like weird little shit. But uh, Luca shows up to a Lakers game in a purple hoodie. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like. That's like a statement move, I feel like. You yeah. don't just, oh, I like the color purple. Oh, I forgot. Haha. <laughs> like, no, no, you're playing the fucking Lakers and you're sitting courtside in Dallas. So I'm just I'm I'm curious what the hell is happening behind the scenes. I, I know that they kept a really tight lid on all of the Rick Carlisle stuff. Um yep. and, and there were a lot of Mavs journalists and beat writers who came out after the fact and they were like, Yep, I knew it all along. Da da da. And it's like, well, why the fuck didn't you write about it? And I understand you gotta maintain access and all that kind of stuff, but it just seems like they're really putting some putting putting a Tupperware lid on something that's pretty combustible it might just kind of blow <laughs> up in their fridge door here before too long. The Mavs have had a ton of dysfunction over the last decade since that that title and you know there have been regime changes mm-hmm. roster overall the common denominator there was mark cuban exactly so i kind of wonder if the 
the problems with this franchise are actually permeating down from the top and Mark Cuban and his approach. It would sure seem like it. Um, as he's one of very increasingly few really hands-on owners in the mm-hmm. league. Uh, he loves being involved in personnel decisions. He loves knowing the players. He loves that like, he, he runs shit. You run all your decisions by him for the final okay. You don't feel confident enough to be autonomous as, as a GM, I would think. Um, but yeah, I just feel like there's a point where everyone either realizes it or doesn't, and you got to get out of your own way and let the people you hired to do the job do their job. Yep. Um, and, and I think Mark Cuban could really maybe benefit from from taking a step back in the Dallas organization, the Mavs organization, uh, as blasphemous as that <laughs> seems, because, you know, what were they before he bought the team and was an utter laughing stock. Like, yeah. I remember the Mavs in the 90s was they were the first team you played on NBA Jam just to, like, teach you the game because they were so bad. And so, so it's like they're all just to turn that franchise into one that people actually talk about and has relevancy and, mm-hmm. and, and hung a banner is incredible to me. And I want to give credit where credit's due there to Dirk Nowitzki, yeah, <laughs> to Dirk Nowitzki and Rick Carlisle. Exactly. But no, uh, Cuban is an integral part of that happening, but like anything we can know, like, and we always bring it back to wrestling. Like if Vince McMahon, the industry has passed by, I think mm-hmm. a lot of things have kind of passed Cuban by, and I, I think that a lot of the decision-making could go out of his hands and the Mavs might benefit from that long-term. There are a lot of interesting parallels between Mark Cuban and Vince McMahon, not in terms of their personalities, but in the way <laughs> they've run their organizations, because you could argue that Vince never exactly had his pulse on the culture surrounding wrestling, mm-hmm. maybe other than the 80s when he pushed Hulk Hogan to the moon. And yeah. But the thing that always elevated what Vince McMahon was doing with the WWE is that he put the right people in charge. He had Jim Ross yep. making roster decisions. Yep. Uh, Pat Patterson putting together matches. You know, he had other guys like, you know, Bruce Pritchard isn't most people's cup of tea. The same <laughs> with Vince Russo, but you yes. know, but look what they guys. did for his company yeah, yeah. in the late nineties. And that was, yeah. that was the golden age of that company. Yep. He even, I still to this day am a believer in the Vince Russo was sent to WCW to tank WCW theory. <laughs> like, I don't think there's any possible way to go from doing the job he was doing at WWE to the job he did at WCW. This is just awesome. I think, awesome. I think the thing with Russo, though, is he had counterbalances on creative. Like, he had Cornette and JR. And True. He had, like, actual wrestling people who were geniuses at what they did and had... Right two decades of experience working for guys like Bill Watts and, you know, Crockett and all that. So it's, it's kind of different. It is. That's true. However, bringing it back to the mass parallel, and we can go back <laughs> on wrestling later, but a lot of the people that were responsible for the golden age of the Mavs have been replaced. Yes. Uh, I, I don't, I still don't agree with the decision to get rid of Carlisle. I mean, obviously you have to keep Luca happy, but true. And it sounds like Carlisle's kind of going off, off the rails a little bit himself. Like reading that story, I was like, this guy's kind of fucking, there's no reason for any of this meanness that he's throwing around at some of these guys and stuff. It seems like he's getting burnout. Maybe he needs a break from coaching for a year. Maybe. Cause yeah, once it gets to the point where you're picking favorites and openly like ostracizing other players, that's fucked, man. Like that's not how you run a locker room, but 
Sorry, to the point. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you, though. I don't think what they did in, in replacing him was all that bright, it doesn't seem. But there were other options there. I mean, they, yes. could have, they could have elevated Silas. You're right. Um, but the Rockets kind of poached him before. Yep. They could probably, honestly, have called Silas last yeah. offseason. <laughs> <laughs> like, you want to come back? <laughs> I bet he would have said yes. Maybe he gets a call this offseason. <laughs> he might. Yeah. I hope he doesn't, but I, I wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Talk about guys who deserve better, but he's good enough to be the guy to bring us to better. So yeah. I'm happy about Silas sticking around. Again, we got back to another team, but this. I'm scared this is going to be like a weird. Overachieving, quote unquote, season for the Mavs that yep. blurs all their future optics and ends up with next season kind of coming it all coming to a head and being a shit show. Mm. It obscures the fact that they still need to make some radical changes throughout their entire organization. Yes. More so than they have. I mean, the NBA fined the Mavs to hell not too long ago for, um, you know, some of the sexual harassment stuff that yep. Cuban was just turning a blind eye to. Exactly. Which, you know, there there's so much funky stuff happening with owners in the NBA, or I guess they're technically called governors. The governors, yes. The governor. Yeah, just like Sar, you know, Sarver and Phoenix. Yep. What that story just kind of got kicked under the rug, didn't it? It really did. Yep. It was Phoenix, a big... Phoenix started winning some games, and all of a sudden, that's the story out of Phoenix. Yep. Yeah. Like, geez, kind of felt like could have Donald Sterling leveled it that situation. Been. It should have. Yeah. Been. I guess because they don't have him on tape saying anything, as Probably. if like a hundred. Fucking witness testimonials. Yes. Isn't enough. Yep. From really well respected members of the NBA coaching staff. Yeah. Like, it's it's yeah. so weird. Like the NBA said, yeah, we're going to conduct our own investigation. Yep. And then it just went away. But goddamn, yeah, that's just awful to have to deal with that trash in your workplace. Like fucking nuts. From your boss. Nothing to happen to him. It just seems that Mark Cuban has trended towards uh, James Dolan of Texas. Ooh, that's a take. Since since the loss of, you know, prime Dirk Nowitzki. That's a take, but I think you're right. Honestly, I, I think Luca was a lucked into thing. I yeah. don't think Luca was a, like, we heavily scouted this guy and tanked for the number three pick. I think if they had landed one, they would have taken Trey and then they would, you know what I mean? Like, just like yeah. everybody else did. And so. Uh, I honestly think the Knicks would have done a better job with Doncic than the Mavs have. This Knicks regime is pretty competent. I got to say, they're, they're blending like weird old school. Why the fuck did you hire Tibbs with some modern approach to the game stuff? Mm -hmm. And it's working pretty well other than until Julius Randle forgot how to play basketball this year. But yeah, it's New York's in a tricky situation. I think they, they are. are. God, Kimba Walker, that was a great choice. Yeah. And then talk about guys that are easy to root for, but really don't want on your team. Kimba Walker is one for me. Well, yeah. And. You know, since we're on the Knicks, that's kind of a cautionary tale for Dallas. Like, they they bought into the success that they had last season, and yes. it wasn't, you know, completely sustainable, authentic, something that was going to carry mm -hmm. over to the next season. It was something to build upon. It yeah. wasn't something to go all in on. You yeah. know what I mean? Like It the, wasn't like, oh, we're an Evan Fournier away. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, amen to that, man. Yeah. I, I agree. And I'm wondering also with Dallas – I've seen a lot less general like engagement and fire from Luca this mm -hmm. season on the sidelines, on the court, whatever. <clears throat> it just feels to me, 
and he's still extremely young. He's been handed the keys to a franchise. He can do no wrong. He cannot get in trouble for anything. He's basically, I, I worry that we brought up the KPJ thing earlier in Houston. Like how much of should Dallas be, what can they do first of all, and how much should they do second of all to kind of rein it in and, and make him have, I don't know. It's tough. Cause like you want to like capitulate to the star almost unequivocally. Well, but unlike what KPJ, if they start acting badly? Like, unlike KPJ, Luca has the talent to back. Well, it up. of course yeah. for sure. But at the same time, you still don't want him to turn into like a fucking punk ass at 23 years old. That doesn't have a good attitude about the team. Doesn't care to help people or, or really work on anything other than his individual game. Like I'm just saying, I see a lot of man. I see a lot of hardened parallels, but what do you do about it? Ultimately he is who he, is all you can do is try to build the best team around him you can yeah. and maximize your window with him there's no option of checking a bad attitude or yeah. a lack of engagement no. for a superstar really that's that's where we're, we're landing i just feel like that's because because what happens you check him he requests a trade or he gets you fired yeah because if he so. truly is like a punk ass who you know gets a hall of fame coach fired in year three yeah you know what are you going to do? I think that Rick Carlisle, after reading that Ben McMahon story, it really does seem like Rick Carlisle got Rick Carlisle fired for sure. And it was for pretty legit reasons, it seems like, as far as personalities go. But yeah. it doesn't seem like Luca was uh, not consulted about the decision. That's for sure. <laughs> it's just a strange situation. And I think if the Mavs had just gone a little bit slower with this rebuild, not made the Porzingis deal, yes. kept their draft picks, they would be in a very different situation right now. They really would. But it is what it is. They've made their bed. And I I still think, you know, come year seven, year eight for Luca, he's going to be wearing a different uniform. Yeah, he might be. He really, he really probably will. And it's, you know. It's preventable, but hindsight's always twenty twenty. You know what I mean? Like, I can't no. blame anybody for seeing a really exciting, you know, shiny candy bar on the counter and pulling up a stool to go grab it. You know, like, yeah. it's just like, like but it's you but gotta, it's the, you it's gotta wait until you grow up and yeah. reach that candy bar. You don't go get the stool, Mark. It's the Harden <laughs> parallel again. Like they had Harden, this prodigy, and they said, "All right, we're gonna go get fucking Dwight Howard." Yep. And I, he's a star. He's a superstar, though. Dwight you get Howard, superstars and you figure it out, John. Dwight <laughs> Howard got some unfair criticism for his time in Houston. I think so. Just he because was he wasn't excellent. Orlando Dwight. He was, he was still good, though. Yeah, 20 yeah. points and 12 rebounds a game with two blocks is a goddamn good season. Yeah. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, and he did it twice. He got lit up by LaMarcus Aldridge, who just went to another plane of existence in that series. Yes, yeah. yes. LaMarcus, and he torched Dwight and Omer Ashik, who were both elite-level mm -hmm. paint defenders at the time. Um, it's crazy funny saying that sentence about omer ashik but it was true for a season it was true <laughs> but back to the point the rockets did everything they could to capitulate to james harden and it wasn't enough yes you can't change who the man is trying to appease him all the time isn't going to work you just have to do your job and build the team the best you can regardless of what he wants because he's under contract yeah not that a contract means anything anymore in the nba but it's just such an odd tightrope to walk now because I think anyone you ask would argue that the Rockets took it too far in enabling Harden. But I don't have any suggestions on what they should have done otherwise. 
I mean, other than I think maybe fine him for being late to meetings and shit like that. Like have him actually have consequences like a normal player for that level of egregious, like, fuck you. But I, I don't know what you really do without souring the main relationship that you need to keep intact, which is that one of your best fucking player. I just think we've crossed this line in the NBA where players get to make personal decisions. Yes. Star players, that is. They do. And it's generally not for the best. LeBron, James Harden in Houston, mm -hmm. these guys, they just they go with their friends. They don't actually give a fuck about the franchise. Yes. They care about their own convenience. Yes. You know? And and they think and even when they do give a fuck about the franchise or think this is a winning move, it's a I know better than you attitude yeah. because I'm playing. Look and, and it's just not I don't know. These people are paid lots of money to analyze data that you don't even have access to yeah. and maybe shut the fuck up and let them make the team building decisions here. But it's so hard for me to accept that there's not really anything you can do. If you land a superstar talent player and they're a piece of shit, <laughs> like there's nothing you can do to try to steer that at all. Like you literally just have to sit there and be like, all right, this piece of shit's running things now for the next, as long as this piece of shit wants to stay here. Like that sucks, dude. Like my radical proposition for franchises, small market franchises moving forward is you can always see the writing on the wall with these things. True. You can always like you, you could sell high. You could see Harden coming. Sell high. Yeah. Sell high. Sell high. Why not do it? Like that trade request is going to come, and if it doesn't come, he's going to leave one way or another. Mm -hmm. Sell high. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's that's fair. Man, that's a crazy take. We've we've twice spicily floated the like, well, what if the Mavs just sold high on Luke trade on this pod? And that's not an actual idea either one of us yeah. have. I don't think, but not right now at least. No, but it's I am with you that I would move on on things like that very quickly as well. Because owners like, sit on their hands and they're like, okay, well, we gotta we can try to fix this. We can fix it. Never yeah. gets fixed. It we can never gets fixed. Fence. No, it usually doesn't. It really usually doesn't. And I think what what's happening with Ben Simmons and Maury is the most severe case of this where you should have just pulled the trigger. Yep. The moment the season was over. Yep. Yeah. I heard on a low post the other day with Jeff Van Gundy, something that made me laugh really hard and also kind of be like, huh, you're kind of right. But like Zach Lowe was just foregone conclusion. He's being traded. He was like, what's team is the best fit for Ben Simmons. And without hesitation, Van Gundy went the Sixers. Yeah. <laughs> And I cracked up laughing and I was like, no, he's fucking right. What are the fucking, what is this? Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he's exactly what the Sixers need. Yes. <laughs> but no, that, that, that bridge is burned, man. It's gone. It's his teammates hate him. They don't want yeah, to talk to him. Exactly. And no, they, they made an effort with him and he just tried. refused to meet them halfway. He did. Yep. So, and yep. again, you know, we want to, we've been talking about the, the, uh, mental health, thing the whole time and like there's a line though where it becomes get help with this or you're being selfish i guess you know i don't even know like it's i just feel like with ben simmons that some of this was excusable but not even responding to your friends trying to check on you is is not to me i don't know well i don't know it's all in such a gray area with mental health it's such fucking tough but i kind of think the mental health thing was uh, I don't want to invalidate what's happening with Ben Simmons, but I feel like a lot of it was used as a tactic by Clutch mm. and Ben Simmons to say, 
there's not anything physically wrong with me, mm. but I can't play because of this valid okay. medical reason yeah. that you cannot prove or disprove. Yep. You know. This is tough. That is tough. And very plausible. Rich Paul plays with a very dirty playbook usually. <laughs> 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 All right. So I think we we've uh thoroughly, thoroughly we've we've taken the baths to completion for we the really first have. time in a long yep. time. I was just going to say we, we hit our New Year's resolution for them already, but it was get out of your own way, Mark. Yeah. Find your Triple H, Vince, and mm-hmm. don't fire him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we want to keep going on? Uh, like We talked about Kid a little bit. want to talk about the rest of the league and Chauncey Billups. Is there now a full-on pattern with ex-player coaches? And should teams steer clear? It's tricky because uh, there are... I don't think it's ex-player. I think it's ex-superstar. Okay. That makes a lot more sense. There are a lot of Hall of Fame coaches who played in the league, mm-hmm. but they did not play substantial roles in the league. Yep. They were, at best, you know, role players, six men, yep. like Doug Collins, Phil Jackson, fucking, uh, I believe Mike D'Antoni played for the Spurs. Yeah, D'Antoni was overseas for most of his career yeah. in Italy, but yeah, he had a couple stints with the NBA. Yeah, he had a cup of tea, so I mean... It just it never seems to work out with star players becoming coaches. Kid, Billups, uh, the list goes on and on throughout history. Yeah, um, it it's quite interesting. I look at I feel like Hornacek was a very good basketball player, but not a superstar. He was the he best had a nice like a head coach, third option on a good playoff team. Mm, he seems like a pretty solid head coaching uh, or a coaching option. Um, and let's see, Rudy T. I'm just going Rockets that I know off the top of my head was a great ex-player who was a great coach, but it was a completely different era. (laughs) I guess Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Bill Russell. Phenomenal. Yeah. That's a good one. But again, these are all last era, if not the era before. Era Um, before the era before. Exactly. I, I feel like in the modern era, the league has pivoted so much to data and stuff that's off the court uh, driving the the analysis and the yep. decision making that a lot of ex players don't give a shit about that and rightfully so because that they just want to play basketball and they're really fucking good at it so and I mean the, the, it seems that you know the the Blazers and the Mavs made their decisions for head coaches because of what their star players wanted also true but a, a lot of the most successful coaching hires over the last decade have been guys that have either been fished out of the NCAA or have been developed in the G League yep. So that's the route I would go. I would too. Um, international coaches, it seems like he can hit some jackpots there as well. Sometimes. Sometimes you get a David Blatt, though, or who a, I think was a great fucking coach, but just had a little too much uh, ego and personality for LeBron's liking, and that just that was never going to work the way that those two guys were both basically assholes. Yeah, he's kind of a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. He was like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not a rookie coach. I've yeah. won championships yeah. around the world, and I flew fighter jets for the IDF. Yeah. I'm like, fucking who gives a fuck? Yeah, but, exactly. But yeah. tactically speaking, I yeah. do think David Blatt was a pretty fucking good coach, and that Ty Lue came in and ran generally the same playbook with with uh, better personality management for the rest of the season, and that took them to the title. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm kind of with you, man. I, I would typically... I. If I'm taking an ex-player as a coach, I would say I value your playing experience. How long did you spend on the bench sitting next to the coach learning about that, though? Like, or who did you, know, you like... learn from? Like, look at um, <laughs> Steve Kerr. 
Yeah, that's a great option. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite a star, but really fantastic career. He as played. A basketball he player. played in a ton of huge games. Yes. He's and probably contributed to winning yeah. most of them. Yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the most notable role players of NBA history. He's right there with yep. like Robert Ori and you know other Definitely. guys like that. So Danny Green. Definitely. Yeah. So, man, that's just an interesting larger point, though, because it seems like all the players want is a player that they can talk to and that understands what they're going through. But it's like maybe the move is surrounding make the head coach really just a big babysitter of of attitudes and egos and make the X's and O's the assistant's job and the Popovich approach. Yeah, that's probably pretty, pretty savvy way to go. Honestly, the Rockets are weirdly inverting that. Having Lucas as the ad- enforcer, attitude, ego manager guy, and Silas seems to be more of the. The NBA has a problem with boundaries, mm. with setting these interpersonal boundaries within franchises. Like the coach isn't supposed to be your friend. Yes. He's your coach. Yes. Yeah. I agree. You're not supposed to even necessarily like your coach. The <laughs> question, does he make the team better? Has he pushed you? Yep. Is he tactically... Does he give a shit about you as a human being? Yeah. Yeah, And whether or not you get better as one. Like, you're not supposed to fucking play PlayStation with your coach on days off. That's not the way it's supposed to be. (laughs) I agree with that. I think that a lot of the old school guys talk a bunch of shit about how soft the league is now and this, that, and the other. And in that sense, they kind of... I think they're kind of right. My, My big problem with LeBron James era, which is what I kind of call the modern era is um there has been this very coddly approach to players yes and this isn't a this isn't a referendum on player empowerment because i i'm on the side of labor absolutely the, 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 the players are, are the workers We're however the reason any of us are watching yeah <laughs> however guys let's come on stop being a pussy yes <laughs> like kpj what you did was you acted like a pussy. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Thank you. And it's not, it's not inexcusable. It happens to all of us. Yeah. Where I've you go from here is, is the important thing. It's a learning experience. But you acted like a straight pussy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> We're here, thumps on the door. All of KPJ Twitter's just waiting outside my house right now. <laughs> Sticks and fucking pitchforks. <laughs> Look at this YouTube reel. You're telling me he's not a hooper? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me he's not a point guard again. <laughs> As he regularly regularly stacks up like four, five, six turnover games. <laughs> Come on, man. Dribbles up the floor and shoots a step back three with 21 left on the shot clock. Just for no reason. Because <laughs> he wanted to do it. Yeah. He approaches the game like he's playing 2K. Yes. Yeah. Yes, he's obsessive about 2K, too. Yeah. I remember he was begging for his rating to go up before the season, like tweeting at Ronnie all the fucking time and fucking shit. Hell. Yeah, it was like, come on, dude. Worry about the right things. Did you go work out with John Lucas this morning? No. Then why the fuck you tweeting at Ronnie 2K about your rating right now? Fuck off, man. Like, <laughs> Maybe uh, approximate like a league average shooting, not be a bottom 300 player in the league. <laughs> man. Yeah, man. And again... I'm piling on KBJ. It's because the emotions are raw and I'm a little miffed with what happened last night, but I don't think he's not going to be a good player undisputed. I don't think it's a sure thing. He sucks. 
I just think right now he's not where he needs to be. And in his own mind, I would like him to be not where he needs to be as well. I would like him to not think he's arrived. And it seems like he thinks he's arrived already. And dude, you haven't. Like one great game doesn't mean you've arrived ever in this league. So I just, I want him to, I want to shake him and be like, just get it, dude. Like, fuck. But and I think the team has tried that approach, and it he bristled at it. So they're trying something softer now, and it's uh, it's still not working. It's so. just the lack of self awareness, and you see it all around the league with guys like Westbrook. Like, okay, yes. KPJ, Christian Wood, if you guys are truly superstars, then why are the Rockets at the bottom of the league? Exactly, because we have two of them apparently. Yeah. yeah, and Eric Gordon's a good role player. Like, yeah. there's a lot. There's a good team here if you guys are superstars, right? Yeah. No, I'm I'm with you, man. Two superstars, a Jay Sean Tate, an Eric Gordon, a David Nwaba. That's a pretty damn good team, honestly. You know, yeah. if you're superstars, yeah. guys. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm with you, man. It's it's frustrating. But I got us back on the Rockets as I tend to do. That's okay. It was a Rockets episode. It really was. Yeah. The Rockets emergency episode. They were the reason for the season. They really were. The reason that finally got us out of our hibernation. It was valid at first, and then we just took a week off, and then Omicron started, and everybody was like, fuck this, and I don't know. You know how it goes. We have real lives. This isn't our full-time gig, as much as it would be fun to be. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, life happens. Hope you guys are sticking with us, and, and thank you for doing so if you are here. Thank you so much for sticking with us. I guess we're going to wrap it up now, right? Yeah, we may as well. We were going to touch a little bit more on like league stuff, but it was basically just going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo is incredible and the, the Warriors are here to stay forever. Yeah. So, there you yeah. go. Those are the points. Yeah. <laughs> we want to thank you guys for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe to our stuff on whatever podcasting uh, streaming service that you use. We should be on all of them. We should be. If you're listening to us on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. Yes, Apparently that really you. jogs the uh, algorithm in our favor. Yes. Algorithm. Yeah. As uh, played by Don Cheadle. <laughs> we also want to thank you for putting the Christ back in Christmas this Christmas season. <laughs> yes, we do. Thank you. Oh my God, that's rough. There's only one J Christ. And it's Josh Christopher. Josh Christopher. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. We love you. <laughs>